All right, welcome back to From 8 Arbitration. And today, we're going to be talking about Article 16.1. We're going to be starting at the very beginning of Article 16. Uh, the next few episodes, we're going to be getting into the just cause principles. But today, I'm going to talk about the very first language of Article 16.1 that sets up the just cause principles. And these are things that, when they happen... The things I'm going to talk about, it's imperative that we address them at the informal step A level and our informal step A contentions. It's imperative, and I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. It's not going to be a very long episode, but it's an extremely important episode, and it's one that if we use it properly, we can wipe out a lot of discipline that management uses against our brothers and sisters. So with that being said, let's get right into it. This is the very beginning of Article 16. Article 16.1, Section 1, Principles. And this is what it states. In the administration of this article, a basic principle shall be that discipline should be corrective in nature rather than punitive. Now, I talked about earlier in an episode about Section 115 of the M39 Handbook, about the very first sentence there. That was almost identical to the first sentence of Article 16.1. And here's, here's section 16.1 again. Listen. In the administration of this article, a basic principle shall be that discipline should be corrective in nature rather than punitive. Here's section 115 of the M39 handbook, management's handbook. And this is what it states. In the administration of discipline, a basic principle must be that discipline should be corrective in nature rather than punitive. Almost identical in its verbiage. So... Both parties have emphasized the importance of discipline being corrective rather than punitive, so much so that management even did it in their own handbook, M39. The most important word in that first sentence is shall, where it says shall be. A basic principle, shall be. Uh, that word is so important that if you've gone to church and you know the Ten Commandments, it states, thou shalt not kill. That's how important that word is, shall. Shout and shall have the same meaning. So when you see that word shall, that's how important that is. The basic principle shall be that discipline should be corrective in nature rather than punitive. And that will go in every discipline that we file a grievance on. Every contention that we use will have that language. Every single one. It goes on to state, no employee may be disciplined or discharged except for just cause such as, but not limited to, insubordination, pilferage, intoxication, drugs or alcohol, incompetence, failure to perform work as requested, violation of the terms of this agreement, or failure to observe safety rules and regulations. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I went over that earlier, that those are just examples those do not mean an immediate application of discipline if somebody violated one of those. Those are just examples. It goes on. Any such discipline or discharge shall be subject to the grievance arbitration procedure provided for in this agreement, which could result in reinstatement and restitution, including back pay. And that's self-explanatory. Then we get on down here right before the, the just cause principle, and this is what it states. Just cause principle. 
The principle that any discipline must be for just cause establishes a standard that must apply to any discipline or discharge of an employee. Simply put, the just cause provision requires a fair and provable justification for discipline. That word provable. You remember early on when I talked about examples of behavior where it says management must still meet the requisite burden of proof, prove that the behavior took place. That's what we're talking about. You've got to prove that I did what you're saying that I did. It goes on. Just cause is a term of art created by labor arbitrators. It has no precise definition. And as advocates, we understand what that means because you can take 10 cases in front of an arbitrator, the same arbitrator, 10 different carriers, 10 similar situations, and you'll win half of them because they're not all the same. So and that's, that's what that's talking about. When it says just cause is a term of art created by labor arbitrators, it has no precise definition. It contains no rigid rules that apply in the same way in each case of discipline or discharge. That's what it's talking about. You can take sim- 10 similar cases in front of an arbitrator and win five of them. It's because they contain no rigid rules that apply in the same way. That's all that's meaning. However, arbitrators frequently divide the question of just cause into six sub-questions. And those are going to be the next six episodes I'm going to talk about the just cause provisions. Each episode will be one just cause provision. goes on, and often apply the following criteria to determine whether the action was for just cause. Here's the most important part of this section. It states these criteria are the basic considerations that the supervisor must use before initiating disciplinary action. Here's what we got to start doing. Anytime management investigates a letter carrier and it's anybody other than the immediate supervisor, I'm going to raise that as a contention. Anytime a manager, anyone other than the immediate supervisor, meets with me at the informal step A, I'm going to raise that as a contention. We've got to start doing that. Anytime anyone other than the supervisor does an investigative interview, I'm raising that as a contention. Because the contract is clear. It's crystal clear. When it states, these criteria are the basic considerations that the supervisor must use before initiating disciplinary action. So that tells me that the supervisor is going to do all these things concerning the just cause provisions, and they are going to be the ones that initiate the disciplinary action. They're going to be the ones that request the disciplinary action, right? Because it states it clearly. These criteria are the basic considerations that the supervisor must use before initiating disciplinary action, which means to me, that it will be the supervisor who initiates the disciplinary action. So if it's at any time, at any level, anyone other than the immediate supervisor does the investigative interview, meets with me at the informal step A, I'm raising that contention as a due process violation against management. Here's a handbook that y'all need to to get used to if if you've never heard of it. It's the EL921. The EL921 Handbook. That's the Supervisor's Guide to Handling Grievances. 
That's what it's called. The Supervisor's Guide to Handling Grievances, EL921. And you can look it up online. Pull it up. And it talks specifically about the supervisor handling every step. It's the supervisor's guide on how they will handle grievances. And it talks about discipline. And it talks about the supervisor is going to be the one that handles discipline. Get that book. In that book on page 26, this is what it states. And I'm going to read this every single episode of the Just Cause Provisions. I'm going to read this section. It says, The definition of just cause varies from case to case. But arbitrators frequently divide the question of just cause into six sub-questions and often apply the following criteria to determine whether the action was for just cause. And here's what the EL921 handbook says. These criteria are the basic considerations that the supervisor uses before initiating disciplinary action. Again, their own handbook, EL921, says these are things that they're going to do before they initiate disciplinary action. Discipline should not be issued if no is the answer to any of the questions. So it's stating here in the EL921, if no is the answer to any of the just cause provisions, then the discipline can't stand. It shouldn't be issued. Use that against management. Use that against them, okay? I've got a couple of sites I'm going to read to you, and then I'm going to be done. That's how quick this episode is. But it kind of talks about what we were just talking about here, about the supervisor. And, and again, we have to start holding management accountable to the contract. If the just cause principles, if the just cause provisions, if it states that this, these are the things that the supervisor must do, then dadgummit, raise that contention if the supervisor isn't doing them, if the postmaster has taken over. It also goes in line with uh, Article 15. Informal Step A, where it talks about I must meet with my immediate supervisor. And we'll get into that when I get into Article 15. But use that language against management. If anybody other than the supervisor initiates the discipline, sits in on the investigative interview, performs the investigative interview, make that contention. Here's a site I've got. It's from Arbitrator Gutenberg. It's 31861. 31861. This is what he states. Page 10. The notice of removal signed by the postmaster did not include any signature of concurring official and there was no other evidence presented or included in the record of any concurring official. So they're talking about our Article 16.8, concurrence. During his testimony, the postmaster said he ran the office floor in the AM and was the immediate supervisor of the grievance since Warren was a small post office. They're talking about that section, about 20 or less employees. The record supported the allegations of the union that the postmaster then had another supervisor indicate that he and not the postmaster was the grievance immediate supervisor. While it is accepted that in small office, both the supervisor and postmaster interacts and supervises and manages employees, when considering severe discipline, including removal action against an employee, the language of Article 16.8 negotiated by the parties in the National Agreement must be given its meaning and consideration. The Joint Contract Administration Manual and its discussion of Article 15 Informal Step A includes the following language. While either representative at Informal Step A may consult with higher levels of management or the union on an issue of dispute, 
This section establishes that the parties to the initial discussion of agreements retain independent authority to settle their dispute. The union claims this language cannot be followed in this dispute when the supervisor's authority was usurped by the postmaster, and no matter the testimony, the parties, the reality, the issuance of the discipline made the independent authority of the supervisor meaningless. Let me read that again, because that's exactly what we're talking about. The union claims this language cannot be followed in this dispute when the supervisor's authority was usurped by the postmaster, and no matter the testimony of the parties, the reality of the issuance of the discipline made the independent authority of the supervisor meaningless. That's what I'm saying. Anytime anybody other than the supervisor handles any form, any part of the disciplinary process, make that contention that the supervisor's authority was usurped by whoever, the postmaster, the station manager, the MPU, make that contention that the supervisor's authority was taken away from him. While it is often difficult to meet the necessary burden to prove a claim, there is logic to the position expressed by the union based on the record and evidence. While the record of this employee since 2011 is extremely problematical, and it is most doubtful that he can be rehabilitated, the due process issues raised and supported require the service to provide this employee with a last chance opportunity to continue his employment subject to a number of terms and conditions, but without back pay for a period of his removal, what shall be considered a long-term disciplinary suspension. That's how important this arbitrator took it. Here's an employee that he says, look, I know you can't be rehabilitated and your record is trash. However, Management violated your due process when they removed the supervisor's independent authority. Article 16, that last sentence, like I read, these are the basic considerations that the supervisor must use. Hold management accountable if anybody usurps that supervisor's authority to do that. And like I said, when we get in Article 15, we're going to really get into some stuff, I mean, some, some high-level stuff as far as high-level arbitration stuff when we get into 15 and the formal step A. And these are arguments that are, are major arguments that we make, but we're going to go over them later. But i got one more decision. It's arbitrator Raymond Britton, and I use this all the time. It's C01469. C01469. It's arbitrator Britton. It's on page 10. And this is what he states. As read by the arbitrator, both step 1A and B of section 2 of article 15 entitled Grievance Arbitration Procedure, are couched in express mandatory language. Specifically, Step 1A requires that any employee who feels aggrieved must, and he's got that in quotations, that's how important that word is, must discuss the grievance with his immediate supervisor within a designated time period. Step 1B provides in the relevant part that any such discussion, the supervisor shall have authority to settle the grievance. Proper compliance by management with these terms of the agreement was, however, seemingly not achieved. For the record indicates that while the appropriate representative met at step one, substantial doubt nevertheless exists as to the authority of the supervisor to settle the grievance. In this regard, the testimony demonstrates as evidenced by the admission of the postmaster under cross-examination that he initiated the suspension that the supervisor at step one did not have the authority to settle the grievance without consulting him. 
This failure of management to comply with the prescribed language of Article 15, Section 2, Step 1A and B of the agreement, which clearly bestows upon the grievance supervisor the authority to settle the grievance, cannot properly be viewed as harmless error and non-prejudicial to the right of the grievance. To the contrary, in the considered judgment of the arbitrator, this failure goes to the very heart of the grievance process and that the grievance is, is thereby denied the contractual right to have his grievance considered independently and objectively at the outset of the grievance procedure by his supervisor, who is generally most familiar with his work record. Any removal of the supervisor's authority to settle the grievance, it seems to the arbitrator, is violative of the letter and spirit of the agreement that renders and renders the step one procedure little more than a charade. Accordingly, the arbitrator finds the assertion by the employer that the grievance was not denied due process to be without persuasive merit. If you've got a postmaster that does the investigative interview, and then you have a postmaster who initiates the disciplinary action, and then you have the supervisor meeting at the informal step A <laughs> make that contention. There's no way possible the supervisor is going to go against his manager and reduce or rescind discipline that his manager has initiated. Those things must be done in accordance with Article 16.1. They must be done by the employee's supervisor. Make sure that we make those contentions. And I don't care what excuse management gives you. I, I had this happen in a case. I was assigned as an outside steward for a very prominent union representative. Uh, I had to go defend him on some stuff that management was trying to do. So I go into the informal step A meeting and here comes the postmaster and sits down. I say, what are you doing here? I'm going to meet on this grievance. I asked him, why is the supervisor not in here meeting with me in accordance with article 15? And he told me, well, since the supervisor's named in the grievance or named in the discipline, I felt that it wasn't proper to have him in here. I said, all right. So those are questions that I asked him. I had him initial the questions that I asked, saying, hey, we're going to memorialize these questions. Initial that for me, please. And that way you won't be concerned about me going out of here and changing any of the questions and answers. I'll get you a copy of this. We get to the formal step A meeting. I meet with another guy. And he comes in there and he tries to cover it up. He says, the postmaster met with you because the supervisors were green. They didn't know what they were doing. Well, now you've contradicted yourself. So always get it on the record. Why did the postmaster do the investigative interview? Why did the postmaster initiate and request the discipline? Why is someone other than the immediate supervisor doing these things? Why is someone other than the immediate supervisor meeting with me at the informal step A level? Get those things documented and on the record. Okay. Uh, again, this this episode we're just getting we're breaking into Article 16. We're fixing to get down on some just cause principles. Uh, the most important part of 16, other than corrective rather than punitive, is just cause principles, right? And so we're fixing to get down on that, but I just wanted to get that over with. Section 1, hope that helped you. Again, these criteria the basic considerations that the supervisor must use. If anybody other than the supervisor is doing any part of that investigation or any part of that issuing or requesting, make that contention. 
Make that contention against 16-1. Okay? So I hope this helped you all. Y'all take care of yourself. Have a fantastic rest of the day. And I'll talk to you. Oh, yeah. Hey, y'all subscribe if you haven't. I keep forgetting that and people get on to me. Hey, look, subscribe, comment, say whatever you need to say. I know we have a difference of opinions. I have several people talking to me about differences of opinions. That's fine. But these are things that, that I've done a long, long time and, and have had pretty good success. So, hey, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Tell me what you think. We'll always talk about it. All right. Uh, y'all take care of yourselves and I'll talk to you on the next episode. All right. Bye-bye.